Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I am Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, also uh, the weekly co-host of Crimson Cover Television on WVUA 23. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the Talking Tide podcast available to you uh, at Apple Podcasts or wherever you prefer to get your podcast. Catch us live as well on YouTube or Facebook. The Twitter feed is talking underscore tie. That is the handle. Get quick links to all of our podcasts there. Give us a like. <clears throat> Give us a subscribe on YouTube as well. I want to thank a couple sponsors really quickly. Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and DraftKings. More on them later in the program. Travis, we begin uh, a day later than our normal uh, time to go here on a Monday night. So we're eight days removed from our last podcast, during which time Alabama basketball has split a pair, uh, lost on the road to Tennessee on a Wednesday night for their first conference loss of the season. They turn around and absolutely drill the University of Georgia uh, in rebounding from that loss to Tennessee. Uh, so we'll touch on both of those games, primarily Georgia, obviously, since that was uh, the most recent one. Hit on a couple of other non-basketball topics on the back end of the program, Travis. But first, uh, Alabama falls to number two in the national rankings uh, this week after splitting those two games, as we discussed. Uh, but boy, this Georgia win, Travis. It was Alabama's third SEC win of 40-plus points on the year. Yeah, it's unprecedented, really. I guess you have to go back uh, 50 years or so for the last time that's happened in the Southeastern Conference. So um, bounce back Bama. It's uh, It hits different, I guess you could say, literally for some of these teams that have been up next. Um, you know, you think about the Georgia game. Georgia actually shot 30 free throws in the game and lost by 49 points. That's hard to do. Yeah. And even if Georgia had gone 30 for 30 from the free throw line, they still would have lost by 32 instead of 49. So just some mind-boggling numbers there. Again, the fast start for Alabama. It was really good to see Mark Sears rebound uh, from that difficult performance that he had at Tennessee. I thought he needed that. Brandon Miller, when he gets off to those kind of starts, those two guys combined for 33 first-half points on Saturday in the winter of Georgia. Um, and it just, it just snowballed uh, quickly on the visitors uh, from Athens. It, it was a runaway early. Brandon Miller, only 21 minutes. He wasn't needed for any more than that. Uh, 21 points in 21 minutes for Miller. You don't get any more efficient than that, Travis. He becomes the fastest Alabama freshman to hit the 500-point mark. Uh, and in terms of the Alabama uh, freshman scoring record, uh, he's uh, still behind Colin Sexton, and James Hollywood Robinson, uh, two players, you and I, uh, obviously Sexton's fairly recent, but you and I, unfortunately, uh, recollect Hollywood as well. Yeah, James uh, Hollywood Robinson's still an all-time favorite. You know, anybody that could blow a bubble while going behind his back through a double team, uh, yeah. that guy's high on my list. I always enjoyed watching Hollywood, and then Colin was just – Tremendous in his only season, too. When he wasn't blowing a bubble, Hollywood liked that toothpick, too. You know, when he was off the floor, you never saw him without that toothpick. In his no, mouth. love that toothpick. Um, 
came off the bus ready to get the shots up. James Hollywood <laughs> Robinson. No question about it. All right, Travis, a little bit more on this victory over Georgia. Nick Pringle, 19 and 12, uh, first double double of his Alabama career. He picks up the hard hat award and really, uh, um, yeah, he got a lot of his production in the second half when the game was in hand, but forget that he played fantastic. Uh, and Georgia is bad as, as much as they were getting blown out. I'm not, I don't, I don't necessarily think I saw a big lack of effort on Georgia's part in the second half either. I mean, they were out there scrapping, at least some of them were. And, uh, and, and Pringle was, uh, impressive regardless of the game situation, I thought. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I didn't think it was a mail-it-in job by Georgia. It's just a discrepancy, really, in talent. And, you know, this Alabama team, uh, when playing at home, hasn't lost a game at Coleman Coliseum this year. Um, and, again, when they come off of defeats, typically they've been especially difficult to deal with. And, you know, uh, really the difference in a game like this being at least somewhat competitive in a blowout is when Alabama gets it going from three like it did. I mean, when it goes 16 of 34 from three, shoots nearly 50% on 34 threes, they're going to be tough to deal with for just about anybody. At 26 assists, again, that goes hand in hand typically when you're shooting it well from deep. But, yeah, I mean, you talked about the minutes and how they were sort of doled out. You only had, what, a couple of Alabama players that played more than 20 minutes in the game. Um one of those was a reserve, as you said, and Nick Pringle. I guess Brandon Miller played 21 minutes, but you know, a guy like Jaden Bradley plays 14 minutes, has seven assists. And that mm. kind of tells you how the offense was clicking for Alabama in the win. Yeah, definitely when we've seen Alabama get up around the century mark this season, they always seem to end up having uh, a, 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 six or, a couple of six or seven assist guys, yeah. uh, and, and that was certainly the case against the Georgia Bulldogs. Up next for Alabama, Travis, they'll be on the road at South Carolina Wednesday night. A late start for this one, 8 Central, 9 Eastern, I believe, Travis. Um, yep. On ESPN2, on the deuce. Uh, your thoughts on that one for Alabama going in? Yeah, I mean, it's a game Alabama should win and maybe should win handily. You know, this is a South Carolina team, though, that has a very talented freshman in its own right and Gigi Jackson, so – that's enough of a storyline for me to be intrigued. I want to see Jackson go against this Alabama team. And he was a guy for the class of 2023 that was ranked as the number one prospect for that cycle. He reclassified to 2022 like Brandon Miller. He's 6'9". He's got some handles. He likes to get up the three-point shot. He's had some big games this season. He had 30 against Auburn earlier in the season. But other than that, you just wonder where it's going to come from for South Carolina in this matchup. And this is a South Carolina team at home in SEC play, Chase. 0-7 at home in SEC play this year. That's that's tough when you got Alabama coming to town. And so, uh, you know, obviously the job for Nate Oates and his staff is to, you know, maintain the, the main thing as the main thing. And that starts with conference championship. Uh, you got to hold down things until you get back home. You know, these next two home games don't look to be all that easy with Arkansas and Auburn and then the potential for that matchup down the road at Texas A&M. Um, I know it's cliche, but I'm sure it's what Nate's preaching. Uh, you know, you can drop these kind of games if you don't take care of business. 
Yeah, Alabama's going to get a little bit, certainly get uh, tested some down the stretch here beyond South Carolina, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Arkansas, as you mentioned, that'll be a Saturday 1 p.m. tip in Coleman Coliseum, uh, followed by a home game against the Auburn Tigers, finishing up at Texas A&M, which has had a heck of a year, especially in conference play, Travis. They have, and Texas A&M is a team under Buzz Williams, kind of like a Tennessee, can make you uncomfortable you know, on the offensive end. And I thought if we wanted to touch on Tennessee a little bit, that was the big deal for Alabama in that game. That was going to be a game of which team could make the other team most uncomfortable the quickest. And it right. just seemed like Tennessee was able to do that. Alabama was able to overcome some of that at Auburn, wasn't mm-hmm. able to at Tennessee. Texas A&M's a team like Tennessee that can make you uncomfortable on the offensive end. So um, it's down the road, but it, it's sitting there. I think, you know, when you look at Texas A&M schedule, yeah, they get Tennessee here midweek, but Tennessee's got to go to College Station. So I like the Aggies' chances in that one. Right. Uh, and then they go on the road to Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Those are two games they can win. So um, you talk about the top seed in the SEC tournament, and really uh, you could have a tied situation, but the winner of that game, uh, if it's Texas A&M, you know, is is certainly going to have the the claim as a as a win over Alabama uh, as as a, a legitimate conference champ. Yeah, the the two thing going back to that Tennessee loss, the two themes for me coming out of that loss to the Volunteers on the road. One, and Nate Oates said this uh, in his presser, out physical for the mm-hmm. most part by the balls, and then two, of course, the turnovers were a big deal. Turnovers have been a big deal, and three of Alabama's four losses. Um, but it, it was a it was probably not the best game for Betty Ako to be gimpy, right? Yeah. And he actually played quite a bit against Tennessee, more minutes than I thought he would, yeah. but he wasn't he was not himself. Uh, and Tennessee, by contrast, at the five in the post, they've got bigs who are not only tall and athletic like Betty Ako, but they got a little more thump on the box out. Than Betty Ako. And, and um, I felt like that had something to do with, with Alabama only being six for 20 at the rim, right? Uh, going against those guys defensively as well. Um, so that was kind of my takeaway there. And of course, the other end of it is you just, you got to take care of the ball better. You do. And, you know, Tennessee also got, I think, 31 combined points from those three bigs, which they don't look to them for a lot of scoring. And, of course, the next time out, Tennessee goes to Kentucky, and those same three bigs had like eight combined points. So um, they, they were they were difference makers on both ends, no doubt about it. And that physicality, really from the outset, Alabama, again, comfort level just was never there in Knoxville. So a uh, learning experience and something that you can apply moving forward. Look, we've seen Alabama handle some of that. Uh, pretty well in the past. Just look at the Houston game. Houston's a similar team to Tennessee in that way and, and Texas A&M and uh, went on the road and, and took care of business in Houston. So there there is a sample size that includes some success against that. Auburn got Alabama uncomfortable, really, uh, down on the plane. So uh, I think that's something they can deal with, um, but it, it, it could be fascinating if it comes down to sort of a uh, de facto regular season SEC championship game. 
All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving on, going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. Going to start by telling you all about the corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. Hey, NBA fans, time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hands with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win 200 in free bets. Uh, All you got to do is download that app now. Sign up with the code TPPN. New customers, again, can bet $5 on NBA action and get $200 in free bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. And again, that would be promo code TPPN. Going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You know, I've referred to Peter Brook Chocolatier as the champions of chocolate in the past. And the reason why is because it's absolutely true. And once again, that is the case. Because as we know, the Super Bowl of chocolate on an annual basis is the Valentine's Day holiday, right? Well, Peter Brook Chocolatier in Tuscaloosa out of 20 plus stores, good bread, in the uh, Peterbrook Company, the Peterbrook in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, number one in sales for February 13th and February 14th. The champs. We have to get us some the rings. champions. I have to get us some rings, good bread. Get us a couple <laughs> of rings from Peterbrook Chocolatier. But again, it's not possible without the great customers and the great folks who have supported. Peter Brook over the 16 years since it started to, in business there in Tuscaloosa. Thanks once again to everyone out there who made that happen. And by the way, you can still get by there. Easter's right around the corner. The chocolate lady went ahead and switched the store out just that quick. Valentine's Day to Easter. Going to be here before you know it. Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Time to do a bronze bust of the chocolate lady for that Hall yeah. of Fame, that Peterbrook yeah. Hall of Fame, you know, get her yeah. in. Yeah, we could have like a walk of champions, you know, <laughs> leading up and everything, you know, and have her right out there. Yeah, I think I think, I think, think it's about time, you know. All right, the Talking Time podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Going to hit a couple more topics here before we close things out. On this week's edition of Talking Tide, Travis, uh, former Alabama wide receiver Calvin Ridley, uh, we've learned in the last week or so, uh, is eligible now to apply for reinstatement to NFL action. Uh, been out of uh, out of action a lengthy stretch here now, Travis. Really, almost two seasons, uh, a little bit more than a season and a half. Uh, going back to 2021 when he left the Falcons for an unrelated uh, leave of absence. Uh, he's at, he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars now, our Jacksonville Jaguars. We traded um, for him. What do, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what do you see ahead uh, for both Ridley and uh, Jags with him? I think it's a great reset for Calvin Ridley. Um, I think it's it's good for the Jags. Uh, They did go out last offseason and spend a good bit of money on Christian Kirk, uh, also on Zay Jones. Uh, I think Marvin Jones is going to be moving on um, after a few years in the organization, a veteran receiver. So when you think about their three wide receiver set for 2023, and assuming that Calvin is reinstated here in the very near future, um, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Calvin Ridley. 
Uh, I think the question will continue to be with Calvin. You know, he came into the Falcons when they still had Julio. So it wasn't as much on him to be a number one. They paid Christian Kirk number one type money. Christian mm. Kirk, I think at his core, Chase, tell me what you think. I still think he's more of an inside guy than oh, a yeah. true outside guy, even though they paid him outside money. And he had a really good year. I mean, he sort of validated the the first year of that deal anyway with a with a solid season, a good season in 2022. But I think the opportunities there for Calvin to work on the outside, and I mean, you've got a young budding quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, a organization trending very much in the right direction. I think, I think if you're Calvin Ridley, you're thrilled to be in Jacksonville. I, I de- it's a it's a perfect fit, as you said, for more than one reason. One, I think for what Ridley's been dealing with uh, not only not only with the, the gambling suspension, but with the leave of absence as well. Um, probably good for him to get to maybe a smaller market, right? Like Jacksonville, where you're not going to have quite as many eyes on you all the time. You're mm-hmm. not going to necessarily be the uh, the guy everyone's rushing to. Um, and, and then for another reason, it's just simple on field fit, right? Because you think about that trio of receivers you're talking about for the Jags next year. Well, you need a vert- uh, you need no matter who you are, you need a vertical guy out of out of your top three. That's not who Kirk is, and I don't think it's who Zay Jones is either. But it is who Calvin Ridley can be, I, I think for uh, for this team, uh, particularly if he can get back to the form of twenty. Uh, I guess it was twenty twenty. Uh, when yeah. he just went went crazy for the Falcons and had like thirteen hundred plus yards. Yeah, and and that's where having those other two guys that can kind of help each other, but with their collective presence um, against opposing defenses, can be a really good thing. I mean, Calvin's a tremendous route runner. We all knew that going back to Alabama. So uh, he brings that to the mix, and uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do with Evan Ingram, too, at the tight end position. He came in on a one-year prove-it deal, had a good year, stayed healthy. Uh, do they bring him back? If they do, man, you're talking about Travis Etienne um, yeah. at running back. You got Ridley. You got Kirk. You got Jones. You got potentially Ingram with uh, with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. That's, uh, that's a good-looking offense to think about. No question about it. All right, before we get out of here, lastly, Travis, wanted to touch on the latest we've heard from potential NCAA football rules changes for 2023. Um, These are just in the proposal stage as of now, but they're all clock-related. They're all uh, geared toward injury prevention by way of reducing total plays per game. and uh, the two most impactful by far of the four, a couple of them are pretty, uh, pretty innocuous, but, but the, the two that have raised a couple of eyebrows, Travis, one, uh, that uh, the clock would, would run on first downs unless it's in the last two minutes of the game. Uh, and, of course, the ball would be spotted first. Or, uh, you know, as well, uh, that the clock could even run on incompletions after spotting. Uh, which would be even more impactful. It would change the game in quite a few ways. Yeah, I, the 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 clock running after incompletions, um, I, I wonder how they would make that work because we know a big part of 
stopping the clock late in games for offenses, right, is to spike the football, which is an incompletion. So yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure how that would work. I'm pretty much okay with the others. I, I don't mind the two-minute rule where the clock runs, uh, you know, after first downs, except within two minutes, uh, the end of the second quarter and the fourth quarter. I, I'm good with that because, you know, and also, though, you know, review still has a place in all this for, for slowing down games. And, you know, I go back to the 2016 Alabama Ole Miss game in Oxford with Chad Kelly at quarterback. And it was a hell of a game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, remember, I think it was 24 to three. Ole Miss got out to the fast lead. You had the Eddie Jackson punt return. You had a couple of Alabama defensive linemen scoring touchdowns in that game. I mean, it was crazy. It was wild. It was entertaining, except that it took over four hours to complete, you know, and some of that had to do with review too, but I I think something has to be done. And, you know, you'll get people say, well, what else do you got to do? It doesn't have anything else. It doesn't have anything to do with time commitments that media or fans have. It's about the, the fan experience. And right. the experience in general, it should not take four hours and 15 minutes to play a regulation football game. The game right. didn't go to overtime, the game I'm talking about. Right. And it was over yeah. four hours. That's, you know, that's, and yeah. And also maybe, you know, CBS is getting now the SEC. So maybe that'll speed up some games too because it the could. commercial timeouts. I'm sure ESPN, ABC will load up themselves. That was kind of just a joke, but yeah. I, <laughs> You know, the one thing that struck me about the news on this uh, from SI, I believe Ross Dellinger put it out earlier today, is that for clocks running on first downs, they're talking about um, not doing that in two minutes. But they're not attached. It doesn't sound like from the report, it does not sound like they're attaching the same rider to the incompletions proposal, right? So, it, it, I mean, like, if they did – and I don't think they're going to take that in, that step on running the clock on incompletions, Travis. But if they did, why not just go back to stopping it on incompletions in, 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 inside of two minutes of a half uh, the same way you're talking about doing that on first downs? That, like I said, without knowing the, the full extent of what the context is for some of this stuff, I got to think there would be a caveat or two uh, in a scenario like that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Fun stuff. It's talking season, Travis. It's talking it's season. It's XFL season two, good Brad. <laughs> and right. Raymond Anthony McCarron Jr. for the St. Louis Battlehawks on Sunday <laughs> led a massive comeback. AJ back slinging it around. Pushes them past San Antonio on Sunday. The Battle Hawks. There you go. Spring football. You can't beat it. Yeah. All right. That that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. Be sure to join us uh, on Sunday when we reconvene here on Talking Tide.